You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell. I'm Dave Griffiths. Joe Hopkins is here as well. And the Colts are 4-2 and two on top of the AFC South. Mike, as we mentioned on our Colts Blue Zone pregame show last week before the win over the Texans, for the first time in nearly four years since week nine of the 2015 season, hey, the view from the top's pretty nice one. That's what's hard to believe because the Colts used to own the South. They were on top every week. They, they've won they, that one year. Remember they had that stretch where they set a league record with seventeen straight division wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's been tough sledding. Houston's gotten better. Tennessee and Jacksonville are blips on the radar. You know, Jacksonville had the, the one great season a couple of years ago. But that's what we were talk we were talking about is to win the division. In my mind, you have to go at least four and two at home. Which you know that means splitting with Houston and Jacksonville and Jacksonville only because how strong they play you. But if you're going to make inroads, and you had to win, you just had to win that game. Now you're two and zero in the division. You've won one on the road, and as we talked about, those of us in the media, we're not bound by the one zero mantra of <laughs> of Frank Wright. That's not what we do. It's not what we do. No. So again, they need to go three and one over these next four. And I'm, I, I, the one would probably be losing at Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's sort of a mess right now. So th- th- this is where the Colts state by their play and their record that they're going to be contenders for something in December, and they need to take care of it starting with Denver. Right. This this is the stretch, of, as we've talked about. We've looked forward to this stretch of games after the Houston game, thinking if the Colts get there at 4-2, and two, which they have, they have a really good shot to set themselves apart from everyone else in their division play from the front instead of like last year hey they played from behind beautifully absolutely you're one in five and then you make the playoffs that's fantastic but nobody wants to play from behind they might say that they like playing from behind you like the edge well, they went nine of ten yes and they had to win nine of ten exactly and, and you want to play from the front and that's what the colts have the chance to do right now during the stretch first of all is the Broncos. We get that this weekend. The Colts get that this weekend. After that, you mentioned Pittsburgh. They're on the road taking on the Steelers. Mason Rudolph is back at practice as a quarterback for them. Still not Ben Roethlisberger, but is uh, better than the alternatives they have. Uh, By the way, he says that he can't remember the play that uh, knocked him out that Earl Thomas hit. That's the one thing the body does in favor of you. It doesn't let you remember the, uh, <laughs> yes. the, the car accident you were in. Thank you very much. But anyway, after Pittsburgh, it's Miami at home. You better chalk that one up as a win. And then after that is Jacksonville. So those are your at home. Those are your four next four games. Denver, um, which is two and five, I believe. And then you have Pittsburgh. Winnable, but obviously it's always tough to win in Pittsburgh. Miami, which is winless. And then the Jaguars I think it's, I think it's seven and 19. If you, if you add it up, the the, four, the record of the four teams. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to it a little bit later on with Denver, but I I was talking with a friend who who's a gambler, and they do this where you pick one game a week to win, and, and they want to pick the Colts and, and over Denver. And she said, what do you think? I said, well, I, I have as much confidence in the Colts beating Denver as I did the Colts beating Oakland. Mm-hmm. So And that's the mindset these this team has to have because you know we're, we've got a lot of the on any given Sunday – uh, cliches from the players, but mm-hmm. look around the league, and if if you don't bring your game, you're going to leave with Oakland smacking you when you they shouldn't. And we'll dive headfirst into the Broncos in just a bit. Let's talk a little bit about the news of the week first, including injuries and accolades. Uh, first of all, Jacoby Brissett is the AFC's Player of the Week after completing 26 passes for 326 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, his yards and touchdowns through the air, both career highs. Um, and although, Mike, it's been the running game that has powered the Colts most of the early part of the season, uh, Jacoby was able to push the ball downfield a couple times today. I, we were up there in the press box looking at crossing route after crossing route with guys wide open running two steps ahead of the nearest defender. And they talked about a post game. Jacoby was like, they, they played man-to-man literally every snap of the first half. And when you have that defense and you have the proper protection, with which the Colts offensive line gave them, the guys, the receivers, are asked to win those matchups, and they did against the Texans on Sunday, which were down a couple of cornerbacks, so we'll give them that. But nevertheless, Colts won when they should have. There were a couple of times that Brissett sort of held the ball a second because he had two guys running wide open, and he sort of, <laughs> which one Which one do I go to? But I caught some grief on Twitter after the game because people said, well, you said 
Brissett couldn't throw the ball down the field because he was, remember he was averaging 6.4 up throw and 9.8 uh, uh, reception. I said, no, I, I said they haven't. There's a difference between can't and haven't. And they, they hadn't asked him to sort of carry a game like they did. And, and Frank Reich told us post-game that in, in their study going into the game, they just knew that Houston was not going to let these guys run the ball. And what was it? I don't know what they ended up with. I, I haven't got the numbers in front of me, but didn't run the ball very well. And that's been the one thing that so far this, with this rushing game, they need to sort of get it fixed to where it's not 200 one week and then 84 and then mm-hmm. 170. But but they, they knew they were, that there were going to be more opportunities to throw the ball and they had to capitalize. And to me, the thing that was most impressive about Brissett's day, besides throwing to it was like seven on seven, Every game you seem like you come out with a quarterback where like there were like three or four plays where they were almost bad plays. And in this game there just weren't. There there were no almost an interception, a tip ball that almost, it was a clean game and without question his best game again you talked about his career highs in yards, touchdowns, passer rating as well, which you can say what you want about passer rating and its value. But but it was just it was kind of comforting for the team I think to see that when the time comes, this guy can do the 300-plus yards and the touchdowns. And and that was a legitimate question going into the game since Jacoby hadn't really been asked to do that because of what the Colts' offense had been before this week. Um, there there was a question posed to Frank Reich this week and uh, about that, saying, hey, teams are stacking the box um, and saying in response that their other teams are going to say, hey, you're going to have to pass the football to right. beat us. And... Um, you need to prove that you can pass the football to beat them uh, or else every other team is going to do the exact same thing and stack the box and make Marlon Mack run through just a trench of defenders, put eight, nine in there until Jacoby Brissett can push the ball down the field. And he did that this weekend. It makes the offense more threatening. It uh, makes defense against it more difficult to scheme. So this last week was certainly an important one for the Colts, not just a division win, but also looking forward for this season to be able to prove that, yes, we can pass the ball as well. If you're just going to stack the box and not let Marlon Mack run, yeah, that's fine. That's maybe our biggest threat. But, hey, Jacoby Brissett can reel back and hook it with the best of them if he needs to. And, again, this is with Devin Funches out. It's with Paris Campbell out. I think there's maybe a chance they get Campbell back this week. I still think there's a chance for this kid, this rookie, to have a pretty good second half of the season. He's shown us flashes. But that abdominal injury and the surgery has really set him back. They'll get Funches back at Jacksonville, the the, the home game of Jacksonville. That's when he's eligible in to week come 11, back. Yes, right. So uh, that that's you hate to you know you want to knock on wood injury wise. They're about as healthy as you can be. You know, eight weeks into a season, they've got uh, a couple guys out like we talked about, but but they're they're getting people back. Malik Cooker and. Pierre Desir is going to be going to be back again this week. He was last week. Kenny Moore looks like he's going to play, so they're really in pretty good shape. Funches, uh, a, a note on him. Uh, Frank Reich said he's not going to practice at all this week. He made that point, um, uh, and we've compared him in the past on this podcast to Nick Foles because it was the same injury, week one, collarbone. I believe Foles is back at practice this week, and this is the first week you're eligible to come back if you're trying to uh, injure reserve designated to return right now. So the Jaguars have him working. Funch is not quite working yet. Reich says said he wants to be careful with him. Um, but you mentioned injury-wise, and people are getting healthier. Um, a few quick notes. Pierre Desir did not practice on Wednesday of this week, but he didn't practice at all last week. So we, like you said, anticipate him still being able to be out there this weekend. And heck, he played a really good game, really, yes, he did. against the Texans. I mean, really hidden hit him on defense and Zach Pascal on offense. Those two guys are both guys that have been cut like multiple times in their NFL careers by different teams. They come on with the Colts sometimes. That can work to guys' favor. Like it really can because you leave a team that uh, that maybe you signed on after if you were a free agent, or you leave a team that drafted you, and then another team that has hopefully a good scouting department can look at you and see exactly what your skills are, why you didn't work in that previous place, and then hop on and say, "Hey, we want to use you in this specific way that more tailors your to your assets." And you, obviously, 
this year. Zach Pascal has has thrived in what the Colts have asked him to do. And Pierre Desir, probably one of the more underrated and underappreciated performances of the year with how well he played against DeAndre Hopkins last week until Hopkins kind of went off in the fourth quarter when they were playing slightly looser coverage. But nevertheless, those two guys, they kind of just stuck out to me as Kenny Moore's, in, in that Kenny situation. Moore's another one. Yes, him too. It's, it's funny, we talked to Chris Ballard one day about the, the free agents and all this, and he was so against signing Kenny Moore. He just he wasn't in favor of it when they went. This was was it last year or two years ago? That had to be two years ago. And, and they were just in need of anybody who could play corner. Mm-hmm. And they kept the scouting staff Ed Dodds. They kept showing Kenny Moore and Kenny Moore, and he said no because he was too small. He he didn't fit the measurables that they have at each position. And finally, Chris Ballard gave him. He said, "Okay, fine, sign him." And then here you are. So so many times I've always thought that when you're like a sixth or seventh round draft pick except for the signing bonus you get, it's almost better to not get drafted. It's better to be a free agent, and then you can sort of pick where you want to go. Right. So a lot of times when these guys get their second or third chances, they're going to a team that has a need at that position. So so you're, you're, you're automatically going to get a pretty good opportunity because they need you at that spot. Then it's up to you to cash in. Malik Hooker also, uh, has he been cleared to play against yes. the Broncos? We made that well, point. He, yeah. he cleared himself to play. Oh, there we go. That, that That's what it, matters. It's funny. We were talking to him. He said, yeah, I'm going to play. I said, well, I, said, I asked him. I said, normally the worst person to ask if they're playing is the player. He said, I'm playing. He so did I, practice in full last Friday. He was limited Wednesday, Thursday, full uh-huh. Friday. He said he was about 90%. Okay. So they, they just wanted to err on the side, which which maybe that's why they waited another week on, on Paris Campbell. But mm-hmm. they, they really – Want you to be as close to ready as you can go, and uh, it, it, it's again, it's it's they've gotten to this point four and two with the schedule easing up a little bit, getting players back and getting Millie Cooker back. Uh, you, you, this is a guy you really pull for. But I'm writing about him for for today, and it's just the guy that when he's out there, he just he makes plays. You just see why they drafted him first round. Mm-hmm. But I said, I, I told him, I said the worst, the worst possible reputation you can have is injury prone. And he said, yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. He said, hopefully, because he said until he had the hip surgery coming out of Ohio State, he'd never been hurt, never. And it's been three years of kind of this, that, and the other, and, and not little stuff, you know, the ACL, major stuff. But he thinks he's ready to go, and what he can do for this defense is is elevated to another level. Missed the last four games with a meniscus injury. He, he calls it a mild setback. Oh, he, he said. Oh, he said. From what I've been through, he said I looked at that. Thought, <laughs> how long am I going to be? How quick can I get back? Yeah. So when, when you're getting to the point early in your career that you can sort of make relative uh, descriptions of injuries, that that's I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Well, Mike uh, will have that content for you on Malik Hooker online, Fox 59 or CBS4Indy.com. What, pick your preference. Um, next week, you could be possibly writing about the trade deadline, October 29th in the NFL. Um, the Colts' opponent this weekend, Denver Broncos, just traded away one of their veteran playmakers on offense, Emmanuel Sanders, to San Francisco. They send Sanders and a fifth-round pick to the 49ers for a third and a fourth round pick. So the first couple weeks of the season, Sanders had really been the go-to guy with uh, Joe Flacco, but lately Cortland Sutton, the second-year wide receiver, had been taking a little bit more of the reps, a little bit more of the lion's share, and uh, had far surpassed um, Sanders in terms of receiving yards for sure. I'm not exactly sure where they were on catches, but uh, nevertheless, I, this that's it's that time of year right now in the NFL. And there was something going on there too because there was a quote from Elway where he said, "Well, he had issues and we had issues." I I, I don't know what the backstory was. I haven't followed it, right. but there was something that wasn't working with Sanders and the Broncos. He, he said that Sanders uh, Elway said that Sanders wanted to be traded. So and that Fangio had no real recollection, or at least he said he didn't know right. about that when when he was asked by the Denver media. Well, and, and again, you go, look at you know making moves and all this. Was it New England got uh, Muhammad Sanu for a, for a two for a second round pick? Yeah. So so, so so the whole question is, what are you willing to give up to get? If we had to say, what what do they need more? Pass, another pass rusher with Teray being gone. And maybe a receiver, you know, how much would you give up for an AJ Green? I threw out the other day in the press room at two, and everybody jumped on me. They said it was too much. First of all, because he's his age, he's 31, 30, 31. I believe. Yeah, and he's and he hasn't played all year. He's got was it an ankle? I think it was, and uh, he, he gets injured every. Well, and that's what you year. have to look at. And, and keep in mind that by and no, but totally what when players are available now, it's for a reason. Whether it's Sanders 
having internal issues, mm-hmm. whether it's Green being hurt and age. So what you're going to get are players who other teams obviously are trying to, are trying to dump on you. So pass rushers, guys have mentioned, I think it's Marcus Golden, Victor Beasley. What would you give up for him? I don't know. Maybe a guy like uh, if the Bengals are in fire sale mode, Geno Atkins is a guy that you, I'd, I'd want to ask I would, about I would, for sure. But. Certainly. And, and I think, again, I think Ballard, and I think they have meetings and they say, what do you think? Right. It's spitballing and what would it take? What do you think? Do they call you? Do you call them? But I love them picks. I, and you're, and that's, what, that's what always comes out. And I always tweet that out. Well, I love them picks. And I understand that. But I'll say one thing about loving them picks. This roster is getting to the point where they have nine picks next year. I think they have nine picks. They already have two second-round picks. Right, and it, I thought there was another conditional pick. I, but Let's say eight picks. You, you've had three pretty good drafts. Uh, two, two really, really good drafts, and, and 17 was pretty good. How many young players, let's say you have eight picks next year, how, how many of those should make a roster that's getting pretty doggone solid? So five, six, the, the more that make your roster means your roster is not where it needs to be. My whole point is that, yes, early picks, and, he, and he's just been on fire with those second-round picks. Somebody mentioned the fourth-round picks are off the charts as well. Marlon Mack, Kari Willis. Correct. Yeah. So, but, you know, five and sixes and sevens, and I I just, if, if I could get a player for a five and a seven, even if it's probably going to be a rental for, for two months, I just would have to think pretty hard about it. Uh, the Colts did get an extra six-round pick for the Jets for the Nate Hairston trade. Ah, of course, the Nate Hairston so, so again, trade. So that's nine. I just, if, if and and this is where, those of us in the media where we get we fall into traps where we want to be that fantasy GM guy. Hmm. But again, at some point, your roster should be to the point that that eight eight picks shouldn't even have a remote chance of making your roster, maybe five. Maybe we're at that point to where he can give up a couple of picks, a pick, to get a veteran guy that can help you. Because I'm not saying the Colts are on the verge of being a Super Bowl team. Maybe they are. Who in the AFC, if you're the Colts, are you concerned about I mean, as far as how would we match up New England? Beyond that, who? I mean, really, it's you know, nobody terrifies no, you. No, that, that, that's England. what I'm saying. Yeah, and maybe maybe New England doesn't really either. They're they look at their schedule and they're really dominating mediocre to bad teams. But my point is, is you you, you may not be that far away from being there. And if you think a player can push you over the top, and sometimes I think you worry about chemistry, not so much in the locker room, but how, how long does it take a player to get up to speed? You bring in a corner, you bring in a quarterback, you bring in this, that, and the other. But a pass rusher, you just say, sick him. Mm-hmm. Go, 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 go for the ball. And a receiver, too, maybe you, you can can simplify things for that guy a little bit. But I, I would be surprised, but I guess, but not shocked or, or however that needs to go. But I think they stand pat. If you bring in a pass rusher still, I mean, you, you have Jabal Sheard, you have Justin Houston. Those are probably your starters. And Sheard has played really, really well since coming back Mr. from injury. Mr. Underrated, he, he really is. is. Yeah, we, we've we said it many times. We'll continue to say it many times. But if you're getting someone, it's going to be somebody in a backup role or in a 20, reserve 20 role. 20 snaps. Yes. Pass situations. Get me... You're not I trying just, to go out and trade for Von Miller right now. Yeah, that, that's not I it. would trade for Von Miller right now. Well, I right would, now. too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wonder, wonder how big the fire sale is in Denver. Right. But, uh, no, but you're – and, again, that's what, what you're going to get are guys who have sh- – again, Vic Beasley had one great season. Was it 15 and a half sacks one year? Yeah, he led the league. Yeah, and, and then not so much since then. But, mm-hmm. but again, if, he, if, if Ballard thinks it's a guy that, that can give them that little nudge, he'll do it. But that's not been his M.O., and – Whenever we're spitballing in the press room I, about this, that, and the other, and moves and draft picks, I keep joking that I'm surprised Ballard doesn't stick his head in the room and say, listen, guys, <laughs> what have I done to show you that I would go and be Mr. Wildman right. on, on personnel? But we'll see. I'll, I'll always say, and I it brought, um, what's the word? It really piqued my curiosity when he traded up in the fourth round in the draft last year because he had to give up a pick, went up, and who'd he get? Car Willis right then. And it's a guy that has certainly made a roster impact on the Colts this year. Whenever Chris Ballard trades away a pick, I I, I always pay attention to what's coming back right. in return. 
just because we know how much he truly values those. So something to look out for next week when the NFL draft uh, and not draft NFL trade deadline comes on Tuesday. Um, But as of now, the uh, first thing on the Colts plate is the Denver Broncos. One one quick thing before we go to Denver. Joe put it on our, our cheat sheet here about Jacoby Brissett. It's really interesting. He's on pace for 37 touchdowns. I thought you were doing this just to troll me with the on well, pace stuff. Well, on, well, on pace for, <laughs> uh, but but he, he's what one behind the league lead, and he's played one yep. fewer game. But Colts quarterbacks with 30 touchdowns in their in a season. You know who they are? No, two of them. I would guess Luck and Three Manning and Unitas. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Wow. And he's on pace for 37. Colts with more than 37 touchdown passes. If you had to bet, would you think he surpasses 30 this year? Oh, yes. I think so, yeah. He's not gonna I, get, think I don't think he gets safe. 37. I mean, I, the on pace for, in this case, I just don't think it's going to be what it's going to be. But it, it, what, if he gets 30 and 8, 8 interceptions, I mean, that, that's that's because mm-hmm. you look at Manning and people, you know, with Peyton, the, all the touchdowns he threw – 49, 33, 33, 33, 31, 31. Yeah. The second the second the third most touchdowns in a career for the Colts, it's Andrew Luck. 40 and 39. So it, it's but what he's done so far, it, it's it's pretty impressive. And uh we'll see if he keeps this uh, this on pace for it. It's interesting to keep track of. And as great as the Colts running game has been, Frank Reich and Nick Sirian are not afraid to throw it when they get close to the goal line. We saw it last week, the little T.Y. Hilton, if you want to call it a bubble screen, something like that. Also the uh, the little pitch uh to was it Pascal who got in on the little Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, shovel the shovel pass. shovel pass. Yeah, right, right. So if they get close to the goal line, that it's not like Marlon Mack's going to pound it in every time. They, he's got he's got fourteen touchdowns and thirteen of them are red zone. That's pretty darn good. And, and what's funny is early in the season, I was asking Reich how how do you get T. Y. Hilton more involved in the red zone? He's got five touchdowns, all red zone. Mm-hmm. Ten of his last twelve touchdowns have been red zone. So now the question is. How do you get him involved in, in the chunk plays? You're never happy, ne- Mike. You're never happy. So, But th- that's what I think is really, before we get to Denver, what's impressive, impresses me about this team is there is an un- – you hear the unselfish, no ego and all this stuff. But when, you, when, you, when you're around the team and you see the absolute joy they have when Zach Pasqua does what he does, and, and can you imagine how this team would have gone off – if Quentin Nelson, oh, my if, 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 instead of the highlight to Eric Ebron, it, it's a it's a little flare out there to, to Quentin Nelson, and uh, I'm going to write about it tomorrow too. The, the, the last Colts lineman to score a touchdown, offensive lineman. Jeff Saturday recovered a fumble. I remember. Correct. Reg- I'll say regular season then. Okay. Uh, Ryan Deem, did he ever score? I don't. Anthony know. Anthony Costanzo. Really. 2014 caught a touchdown pass against New England. And he did yeah. some Mortal Kombat dance. <laughs> I remember that. The problem is it was in a loss, but still, he's. I, I said, so how did you guys uh, handle Quentin Nelson in the offensive line meeting? And we said, we crushed him. Because <laughs> if you remember the replay, Quentin saw the touchdown from his butt because he fell down. He did. Because the ball was behind him a little bit, and he thought, he thought it was to him. But uh, he said, yeah, we, and also he said the offensive line's got a nice celebration planned if and when an alignment gets it. So that will be Epic to see that happen. Cannot wait. Thunder in the dome. I mean, it'll, it'll be it'll be crazy to see three hundred pound guys dancing around. Lucas Oil Stadium will never be the same, Joe. Point I want to make about what Chapel said of uh, Brissett's red zone passing. He leads the league in red zone passing touchdowns and passing touchdowns within the ten yard line. So they are getting it done through the air in an area where a lot of teams struggle. He hasn't thrown an interception in the red zone, has he? No, he's he, not, he's, yeah. he's got. I, I did the research on it. And he's thrown one red zone touchdown in his career as a Colt. It was against the 49ers. Interception, you mean interception? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was in overtime against the Niners last uh, in seventeen. Okay, which they came back and won. But he's got eighteen straight, uh, eight t- eighteen touchdowns, no interceptions, and seventy one or seventy nine straight passes in the red zone without a pick. So now we've. Jinxed him on that, but right, he, right. He, he's, you can blame us. The, if you, the one thing that we that I wrote about early in the week, and it, it's so key, is Frank talks about situational football, third down, red zone, and they're top ten, top six, or whatever in each. And, and they were last year. They were with Frank in Philadelphia. How do you how do you respond when it's 
You know, instead, you know, the, the Houston game, the, the second quarter, Houston's got three times they're in the red zone, three field goals. And the Colts go four for four with four Brissett touchdown passes. So it, it's simple stuff, but w- when you do the simple things well, uh, good things happen. Now to the Denver Broncos. Acceptable? Finally. You guys, you guys done? I'm right. All right, fantastic. Broncos, two and four. Uh, come to Indy having won two of their last three games, but still got blown out last Thursday in Kansas City. Uh, Chiefs finally got back on track after both of their losses against a familiar AFC West foe. Um, lost, I believe it was 30-6 to six in that game. And Joe Flacco spent more time on his butt than he did under center. It, it was more painful to him, but it was painful to watch was. him it really play. Was. And what made it worse, and it's always been the knock on Flacco, and they wrote about it in Denver uh, yesterday or today, is the lack of uh, passion, emotion, whatever, when your quarterback's body language is what and, – and this is Flacco. This has been his his demeanor from the start. There's not a lot there. You know, and I think Vic Fangio mentioned it. When you're winning, it's it's considered calm and poised and all that. And when you're losing, it's like, you know, passive. That's a good point. But if if you talk about blueprints, well, the culture, the blueprint, how to beat the Chiefs and all this, the blueprint to Flacco is you, you smoke him early. You you get you, you rattle him early and know let him know it's going to be a tough day. If they do that again, I realize that they they got a decent running back and and all that, but. If you get to Flacco early, you can take him out as being a factor most of the day. Yeah, they're they're a team that has not proven that they can beat you through the air. Like we were talking earlier uh, in in this podcast about, hey, the Colts, Jacoby Brissett hadn't done it yet. Well, he did it last week, so defenses need to pay attention. Right now, defenses playing the Broncos, stopping Flacco is not number one right. by by any stretch of the imagination on your list of things we must do to win this game it's 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 limit the running game and the running game is a pair of running backs it's philip Lindsay, royce freeman Lindsay as a rookie last year i believe he was an undrafted rookie if not a really low was he draft, the first undrafted rookie to go to pro bowl to go to, i believe he was uh either that or first undrafted rookie running back it might it might be very I mean, first I mean running back. Oh, okay I mean yeah running yeah. Back. yeah so so yeah he was he was one of the best in the league last year, still averaging better than four yards per carry this year, uh, as is Royce Freeman, both of those guys. Um, Denver has played teams close. They only lost to Chicago by two. They only lost to Jacksonville by two. Uh, Oakland was an eight-point game, which is technically one score. I mean, r- really a lot of games in the NFL are one-score games. It's really it's more rare to see 10-plus points. I know people in Indianapolis have seen more of those over the years because of the Peyton Manning years. But, just, I mean, the, the fact that they're they're playing teams within one score is, it is something. But at the same time, they have not been the most competitive team, particularly on offense this year. It's been the defense, really, that, that's carrying the weight for the most part for the Broncos. Well, one thing Joe pointed out here, they're, they're 0-5 when, when they're scoring 16 points or fewer. Yeah, ouch. You you just have to score. You you just you have to find ways to score. And one thing that's interesting also, the Colts are the only team this year to have all their games be one-possession games. So it's, they're finding ways to win. Now, it didn't happen against the Chargers or, or, or Oakland or the Chargers. There were things that played into that, into that game, which, which you, you play the Chargers ten times and probably beat them six or seven. And it's funny how, as the season goes, what you thought were quality wins or losses aren't. Like the Chargers. Like, like, oh, like the Chargers. wild card team last year. Like Al- they challenged the Chiefs. Like Atlanta. Yeah, it was well, pretty good win. Yeah, forget that. Well, you talk about a dumpster fire. But th- that's why what the Colts have to do, and I talked to Ryan Kelly about it, is you have to get to where, of course, you prepare for the team coming up. You, you game plan, you look at the tendencies and personnel. But what you strive to do is is compete against yourself it's the old Bob Knight's theory at IU. So many times he was PO'd after a game because they won by 10 instead of 30 hmm. because you played down to the competition. Well, the Colts aren't good enough to play down to a competition and expect to win. I could argue that's what they did against Oakland. So if, if they just go out there and, and do you know the old do what we do, and if they do what they do more you know better, I think they're in good shape. I, I, this is a team, we were talking again in the locker room the other day, when you talk about strengths, to me the strength of this team 
is there's no real weaknesses. I don't think they're off the charts great at anything. Offensive line is off the charts great. The running game's been hit and miss. It's it's good, but passing game, yeah. Defense, it, it shows you. But but the strength is there's no, my God, how are we going to overcome this that we can't do? So which is a good thing. Now, how far that carries you in a, in a season, I don't know. This isn't uh, a team that's going to go 30, 35 a game. Like if if the Chiefs might when Mahomes gets back, which which might be this week, which is ab- insane, abs- which is absurd. But I think this is a game again. I, I the defense is getting healthy. You got Darius Leonard back. A game under he, he told us this uh, this week that how he played. He, you know, he played pretty well. Had a game ceiling interception. He said he was gassed at the end of that game because he'd been out for so long. So he's going to be back in form. Molly Cooker, you're getting this here will be a, a week better. So it, it's I, I just don't see the Broncos tacking up twenty four points on you. I just don't see it. So, but do what you do and 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 take what it gets you. Especially at home, like maybe maybe if it was in Denver, maybe. But I, I still know they're only averaging like you said sixteen points a game. If they score less than that, they lose. They've had a couple weeks where they've obviously scored more because those have been their two wins. But uh, nevertheless, you, you mentioned uh, the Colts. There's no really one position of weakness and i would say over the last couple weeks i was nervous a couple weeks about the secondary because of all the injuries they've had there but you've seen some guys roland milligan's come in played okay Shaq taylor Shaq taylor's come in played pretty darn well uh Kari willis has been probably as good as you would have hoped for as a rookie rocky uh, sins played pretty well i haven't heard he, played his heard his name too much which is a good right. thing for uh, a he's, he's been beaten a few times yeah that that's life as a corner it is and, and I, I think what's impressive is these guys Yes, they're rookies, but but the the one thing at, at those positions is it's the old short memory, and I think for the most part you don't see one play leaking over and, and impacting the next play. And it, it's the, the Colts, I, the the teams I've been around, there there've been a handful of players, and they, they've mostly been DBs, to where you talk to them as rookies and you think, man, this guy gets it. Mm-hmm. The game's not too big for him. There's not going to be a uh, a feeling out period. I remember Quincy Wilson came in and he was immature, and it's taken him a couple of years to get to this point. But I, I think of the, the Gerard Powers as, and, and Ray Buchanan back in the day, Antoine Bethay, where they just got it, and you didn't worry about the game being too big. That's when, when I think of Willis. I think of Antoine Bethay, where yeah, he just he just fits. Sometimes we don't know how we're going to play him, but w- the interesting thing moving forward in the secondary at safety with hooker back is how how do they divvy up Kari Willis and Clayton Gathers mm-hmm. because I think in the back of their minds or in the front of their minds when they drafted Willis it was the idea that he he is the replacement I think for, for Clayton Gathers yeah apparent now it's up to Clayton Gathers to show that you know maybe this kid is going to push me but I, there's a place for me here too moving mm-hmm. forward so but that, that that's a good problem to have, and and again, I, I'm with you. The, the last two weeks against, remember when we talked about well this year they're playing a lot the, the better quarterbacks. Well, they faced two of them, and done pretty well with Mahomes and Watson the last two weeks. Right. Is what you're referring to, and, right? And, and, and again, they I realized Mahomes was hurt, but still he but, was but, he was not hurt for a good portion of that game. Well, and the Colts put the hurt on him. Yeah. So so again that that's that's part of it. And I thought they held up really really well against. Watson, he had some decent numbers, but but they, you just like the way they're playing. Uh, if the run defense st- still stays to where they're not giving up the the crazy that the, the, was it Aaron Ake, Austin Eckler Austin Eckler Eckler yeah. ha- had the big plays and all that. That's what they, they need, which seems like they've cleaned up. So again, we, we we saw this last year. I keep going back to last year when they, they get off to the one and five start, and over the last ten games last year, it was a top ten defense. I'm not saying that's what this defense is now at all, but they're showing signs of getting better and not getting worse. I, I want to point out a, a stat that Matt Eberflus uh, brought up in his weekly uh, availability, talking about the numbers on defense. They played with 21 guys last week against uh, the Texans. Six of the 21 were rookies, so you have more than a quarter of the players that you have are, are rookies. Um, let's see, 18 got oh, where was it? Three more were second-year players. So nine of the 21 were either first or second year players. Uh, 18 guys total of the 21 played 20% of the snaps or more. So they're moving guys in and out a bunch, 
which is exactly what they want to do. They want to keep fresh legs and fresh faces in there. So through this, they're continuing to play all these young players. And Iberflue says that's about development. You're developing the players and you're developing your roster for times when you do have situations that you're talking about in terms of guys going down, other guys step into the middle of the game and they have to come in and maybe play and maybe start. So we've seen some of those scenarios already where guys have had to come in and play uh, either in the middle of the game or more because other starters have been hurt. And they're able to do this, what Coach uh, Iberflue calls development, while still winning games and while still being productive. And that's something Justin Houston pointed out to me earlier this year when I asked him about some of the young guys seeing so many rookies in the starting lineup. He says, they're going to take their lumps for sure, but if you can win in those situations, they're going to be better at the end of the year than they are currently right now because of it. No, we're talking, you know, Willis and Rakhjusin and but Ben Banigou and, and, and Bobby Okariki, and, and they've just gotten good stuff out of a lot of players. And like I mentioned offensively, I th- certainly we haven't seen the best of Paris Campbell because of the injury. I think this is, a, this is a kid with what he does. And can you imagine some of the crossing patterns last week? Oh, with him? With, with him. Would have gone 60 yards. M- remember think. the flash we saw at the, in the preseason game at, at Cincinnati? Right. To where he turned a seven-yard play into whatever it was, 30 or 40 yards. Is it that impressive if it's against Cincinnati? I understand. It's kind of like, yeah, you're four and two, but you know, you beat the Falcons. Yeah. So, but uh, you, you play who you play, but I, I, you're, that's your point. But you're still getting these young players doing it. Like you said, the best thing is when you're playing young players and you're not overcoming their mistakes because these guys just aren't one mistake after another, but, but, but they're getting better. And at some point, they're not rookies. They just aren't. And we're at the point now where these players, by and large, have played a college season when you include the preseason. And then mm-hmm. these rookies played a lot. So, you know, on the one hand, you've got players who've played a whole season, so they're not a rookie anymore. But on the other hand, you've got players who've played a whole season. When does their body say, hey, aren't we supposed to be done now? And they're not even halfway. So I think it all, it all bodes well for them. And we just, I'll harp and harp, we, we both will it. This is the time you set yourself up for December, and I hope they take care of it. Because, again, while this, the, the cold schedule eases somewhat, Houston still has Baltimore and New England to deal with. You would call it probably a favorable matchup facing the Broncos' offense this week. On the other side of the ball, the Broncos' defense is probably one of the best in the NFL. They're in the top third in points per game. They're allowing fewer than 20 points to their opponents. So even though they're averaging only 16, they're only giving up 19 or so. It's it's a fairly close within a field goal difference. Um, they're fourth fewest in the NFL in yards allowed per game. Um, one of the top three in passing yards per game, in uh, top four in passing touchdowns allowed. Um, but they're not getting to the quarterback quite as much. It's been it's not necessarily been Von Miller wreaking havoc, although he certainly remains one of the better defensive ends in the league. They can rush and cover very well. It's Chris Harris back in the secondary, whoever might be out there with him. It's like this is a well-rounded defense and Vic Fangio is leading it in, in the era when so many franchises are looking for the next great offensive mind. Denver goes out and they get they sign Vic Fangio to be their head coach. So that immediately says, "Hey, we expect great things of this defense. He seems to be delivering so far." Yeah, they, again, we're wait. The day you don't prepare for Von Miller is the day he gets four sacks on you. Exactly. So trust me, they they're they're getting the edges with with the tackles and the and the guards. This is the guy. And the one thing that has hurt Denver is they lost Chubb, who was one of the great young right pass rushers. Was a ACL. Or, or was it either in the opener or game or week two, whatever it was. And to, to lose great players, it just kills you. But that's what I say. This, this may be one of those ugly 24 to 13 games where don't turn the ball over, which these guys are near the bottom of the league or the top of the league, however you want to look at it, in fewest turnovers probably. They've only forced six, six turnovers in their seven games. Right. So that's what you want. This team, again, what the Colts have done is played – relatively clean football. Again, top 10 third downs, top 10 uh, red zone. They lead the league in, in most first downs per game. It's like 23-3, which is ball control. You know, penalties are not an issue. Turnovers on – now here they're going to go out and they're going to litter the field with, with all this on Sunday. We're jinxing them right now, right. yes. That's but, what but we do. Th- th- this is what Frank Reich wants. And then when you, when you have a game where the quarterback goes for 326 and four, you're really tough to beat. 
So I, I think again, this, this is a game that may may not be, you know, a, a, a thing of beauty when when it's over with. This is the one where you take care of your business, you, you don't help Denver, and you get out of there with a maybe their first non one possession game. Do you know what's been um, notable to me so far this year? Is it just seems like so many times, multiple times, in multiple games, the Colts opponent just giving them first downs because of penalties. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there is a common denominator with dealing with the Colts offense and being frustrated by the one of the best offensive lines in the league, if that plays into it. That's me completely spitballing and throwing out just an idea. Joe, pull, pull, up the, pull up the Colts season stats, Joe, and if you look at the uh, uh, first down breakdown with the Colts... Like how they've gotten their first downs. It's, it's like, it's probably 15 first downs by penalty. Which is... That's obscene. Ridiculous. It's obscene. In only six games. Right. They, they had this past game. They, they, they tied a franchise record, the Colts did, with zero rushing first downs. And this is when a team, when Marlon Mack led the league in most first downs rushed for. Mm-hmm. Yet they got five or six first downs by penalty. Uh, this season of 142 first downs, 24 were by penalty. 24. Lord that's, almighty. That, that's just, four per game. That's just crazy. And that's, it's not been four per game, but but, right. but that's what that, – like there was average. one game was was that uh, – I don't know which game it was. Where they had nine. They had nine, nine first downs. Maybe it was Kansas City. I think that was Kansas City. That's just – I mean, it's – it's just, and there were there have been plays where, and we've in the, in the past we've seen it with the Colts where you, you make a stop and you got it done, and there's a penalty. There, there were a couple plays uh, in the red zone when they scored, uh, and I can't remember which play it was. It may it, it was uh, well, there was a third down incompletion to Wilkins, so you're going to kick a field goal. Well, mm-hmm. then some guys laying out Eric Eric Ebron, so there's a personal foul and it's first down, and then you score a mm-hmm. touchdown. So it's the the, the penalties. Are so crazy. If you look to where what the Colts penalties are, to where they're you know one of the fewest in the league, and look at what the the I don't have Frank Wright coaches like you mentioned getting penalties on teams, but they I'm sure the Colts have got over 500 yards in penalty yards in six. It's, it's just crazy. Joe, I don't know if you can sort. I don't know what exactly you're looking at, but if there's any other NFL team that's close to having 24 or 23, whatever, 24 first downs by penalty. Um, you're probably just looking at a specific Colts page, but we'll, we'll give you a second to look at that. It, it's Like I said, it, it's just been mind-blowing. And you're sitting called, up there in the like press hidden, box, they're and like you see hidden, another flag. You're like, they're like hidden yards, but they're not hidden yards right. because, because it, it erases a bad player or a, you know a, a, an ineffective play, and you start over again. The, the Colts offensive line has been relatively penalty-free, it seems like, this year. I think, I think Braden Smith's had a couple... That stick out to Jack me. Jack Doyle had two holding penalties. Yeah, Sunday, which is Jack Strange, Doyle, really. Yeah, like, what, what's going on? And here? Ty's had a couple of ghosty pass interference penalties. Literally I mean, ghosty I mean, penalties. Gee, you hate to be Mister Homer here, but it's it's just crazy. But it's 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 funny that they you know teams harp on. Well, some teams don't because they're they're penalized so much every year. But just don't give the other team an extra two or three first downs per game because they're hard enough to get as it is. That, that's what I remember thought, thinking back to the Chuck Pagano era here. He, that's something that he would harp on seem like a couple of times just because there were two throughout a game at seemingly very important times and the other team would go down, drive down, score a touchdown. That'd be like the game-winning play. It's One drive in the NFL is so important because, as we've said, most games are one-possession games. So if you extend one possession for a certain team, that could be the possession that wins a game. You never know what the possession is. Joe, did I send you down a rabbit hole there? A little bit. I haven't been able to find first downs. I did find yards. Colts uh, have had the fourth most yards as in terms of it benefiting them Yeah, um, at 482. It's pretty darn good. crazy. And they've committed the second fewest penalties in the league behind only Carolina. Mm -hmm. You know know what they've had that they haven't had lately in those penalty yards? Those long Deion Kane pass interferences. Well, they got to throw the ball to him first. I know. (laughs) That's something that we've been expecting. He's, He's had... He's had snaps. Like I see him out there pretty frequently. He's just not getting not getting the looks. And Nick Sirianni said something about that this week, saying something that that stood out to me. I think he answered two questions on him, and one of them he was talking about. We still see him as a rookie. So I think by by saying that, you're saying that he still has a little bit of a ways to go right now. Remember, we talked when we talked to Ballard in uh, in April, 
and he was he was kind of giving us a heads up on all these players, and he said, you know, I think it's, it may be November when we really see Deion Kane, you know, back back to right. where he was because of the injury. In, in part of part of the problem, the issue with Deion Kane is, I don't want to say we we created it, but but we wrote a lot about this guy in training camp and preseason we because he, he's having such a good camp and doing all this. So we sort of built him up for this fall. Now you, you for the fall, I mean, I mean tapering off, right? And I, 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 I just think this is a case like like Nick mentioned is it's going to take a little bit of time, and they'll still throw it to him, and I think he's still going to make some plays. And again, this is all they've done on offense and been efficient on offense. It's been without Funches, it's been without Campbell, right. and it's, been, it's been without Kane. Mm-hmm. So I think when they get these guys incorporated, and if you, when, what strikes me when you're in the locker room talking to these guys. Some of the guys we're talking about is the size of him. Mm-hmm. Paris Campbell's a big guy. He's not, you know, he's not the six four, but, but he's thick. He, he's wide. Devin Funches sent him next to T. Y. Hilton. He's got a good. It looks like a foot and a half on him. <laughs> and again, I was doing something on, like I said, Malik Hooker. Stand next to Malik Hooker. This is a big dude. This mm-hmm. isn't Bob Sanders or a, 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 a small spark plug guy. This is a big guy. So uh, again, I, they, they're going for the more rangy guys, especially at receiver. Remember, Dontrell Inman last year had good size. Mm-hmm. So, but but again, it bodes well that they've got to where they've got, and they've got three or four guys who really haven't, for whatever reason, been able to do what they need to do. So, Colts Broncos this weekend at Lucas Oil Stadium. The game has been moved up from originally scheduled for four twenty-five to a one p.m. kickoff. Fine with me. Thank you, Lord. I love it. I love it. I love it. Broadcast on CBS Four here in Central Indiana. Your predictions. We'll start with me. We'll give you guys a second to to think about things. But I uh, I think the Colts are too much for the Broncos this week. I I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. It's going to be points are going to be much more difficult to come by than they were last week for Jacoby Brissett in the offense. Uh, but I still think the Colts have enough to get it done. I think something to the tune of about seventeen to thirteen sounds right to me. Colts win. They improve to five and two. Stay on top of the division and uh, go on from there. I'm on where you're at with lower scoring. I'm going to say 24-13. I think the offense will get enough done. I I will be very surprised if if Flacco finds a way to get more than 13 points up. I just I think they're they're that much in they're that much hurting offense with what they've got pass protection and all that. So I'll stick with 24-13. That was just about what I was going to say. I was going to say 24-14. Um, I don't think Flacco's going to be able to do much. They're going to have to run the ball, and the Colts know that. So I think it's going to be uh, not the most exciting game for Colts fans. But at the end of the day, I think the Colts will get the W. They got to come out to. There were there was the the fewest people in attendance. Last week against the Texans, as it has been all year. I mean, it, it, I, won't it be less this time? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. It might be. I, I, it's hard for me to say, hey, you spend your money to come out to the games when I get a press pass and I can watch it for free. So I, it's hard for me to say that. But I was just surprised. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I was surprised that that was the uh, coming off a bye um, against a division opponent, certainly an important game, that that was just the game that saw the fewest people there of the season so far i'd like to see how that is how that translates across the league or is is everybody down a little bit just because just because Mm -hmm. uh so no i I was surprised too but uh, again i i have been i'm very reluctant to tell people how to spend their money because like you said i we don't pay to get in right so it it was strange when and again we'll see how this thing plays out because this isn't the most attractive home schedule I don't think, mm-hmm. but I thought Miami, I, I was Jacksonville, Miami. I mean, really said, yeah, Marino yeah. won't be there. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, but it's a little perplexing. Uh, anyway, AFC South, let's take a quick look around the division. The Texans at four and three host the three and three Raiders. Uh, Houston actually just made a trade with Oakland the past week to acquire a cornerback, uh, Gary on Conley from the Raiders for a third round pick. Uh, Conley had started all six games of the season for Oakland so far. So while well, we saw the Colts tear up the Texans secondary, the Texans also saw the Colts tear up the Texans secondary and went out and tried to get something. Ooh, they got Roby out and uh, Jonathan Joseph aggravated, I think, a hamstring in that game. So you, you look at that and you know the secondary is 
uh, in a little bit of shambles. So you're trying to fix it, whether it's patchwork and repair and move on from there, what, whatever it might be. But um, Joe made a great point in here with one of his notes. The, the Texans have now traded away um, first round picks in 2020 and 2021, a, uh, two third round picks for 2020 and a 2021 second round pick. So for the love there, if you want an opposite of Chris Ballard right here for what is going on, that's it. Bill O'Brien's trying to keep his job. He's doing he's his best. Doing. Yes. Yeah. So he's there in win now mode. Um, that's like, who was it? The Rams? Yeah. No first good. round picks for the next five years. It's ridiculous. Really? Yeah. Sakes alive. Uh, Jaguars host the Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars at three and four. Uh, the New York Jets one and five. The Jets have come down to earth a little bit after winning that first game when Sam Darnold comes back and everybody's thinking that he's the uh, the second coming of Joe Namath there. Um, then they go out and they play New England. Seeing ghosts. They, and he's seeing ghosts. <laughs> I see dead people. Yes. <laughs> poor, poor Sam Darnold. Um, Nick Foles, as we mentioned, is returning to practice this week. He is eligible to return week 11, and that's when the Jaguars will play the Colts. The Tennessee Titans host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so all four AFC South teams play at home this week. Titans at 3-4, and four, Buccaneers at 2-4. and four. Uh, Titans win their first game of the new Ryan Tannehill era. And boy, if, you're, if you were a gambler, I was not, by the way. I stayed away from this game. Uh, but if, if you had... Uh, the Chargers in this game that the Titans won, you lost 10 years of your life on the last drive because Did they scored like three times, they sort of. Yes, they score. I think they scored twice, and both times it was reversed. And then the last play, the call was ruled he was down, but then it was reviewed and reversed that he fumbled and the Titans recovered inside the one yard line. Crazy, Ab- absolutely gut wrenching for the San Diego Superchargers. Don't call us San Diego, but. Uh, the Titans have a little momentum with Ryan Tannehill throwing for 300-plus yards. Do you trust him in back-to-back games? You, I don't. That, that's why Miami let him go. That, exactly. Uh, that, that They cannot trust him in back-to-back games, or at least for a string of games, however many through a regular season. So um, let's see. Nobody gets a winning team in the AFC South this week. But, but, th- but this is why you take care of if you're the Colts. Yeah, you scoreboard watch because that's what yep, you do. Yep. But th- this is why you, you, if you just take care of your business – then you, you keep the space between you and the other three teams who, it, barring something squirrely happening, they win. So then you're still where you are. So we get to talk about that. But everything we get for the locker room will be, of course, 1-0. No. That's right. 1-0 no this week. Denver Broncos, they've got, 1 They've got shirts that say 1-0. No. They've got shirts for everything right now. I was joking. It's, it's <laughs> funny because Nick Sirianni wears a different shirt every time we talked to him on Tuesdays. It was He, he had a uh, Quentin Nelson one time and then uh, Ryan... Kelly, and then this week he had a Eric Ebron one-handed catch. Darius Leonard's got a T-shirt. Stiff arm, stiff I love arm. that. That was fantastic. And and he, the other day he's wearing a Marlon Mack T-shirt. I'm talking to Naheem Hines. I said, "Where's your T-shirt?" He said, "I got a T-shirt." It was a one and zero. I said, "No, no. Where's the Naheem Hines T-shirt?" Yeah. He said, "I got to get working on that." Yeah, <laughs> that, that that's the goal for everyone. Get on a T-shirt just, this year. You just wear one a day for you know two months. Well, we'll see what T-shirt comes out of the Colts hosting the Broncos this weekend. CBS Four broadcast 1 p.m. at Lucas Oil Stadium. This is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone. You can follow me at Dave G underscore Sports. Mike Chapel is at M Chapel fifty one. Joe Hopkins is at Roto Street Joe. Download, subscribe, get it delivered to your podcast listening device multiple times per week. This is the Colts Blue Zone podcast. We'll see you next time.